Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup and today we are going to be looking at the landscape of NFL coaching and what it means for fantasy football. We're going to be bringing you our coaching rankings, Pat's coaching rankings I should say, some of the best coaches, some of the worst, and some new hires where we may not actually know yet. I'm joined by Pat Darty, Denny Carter. Fellas, because we are talking about coaches, we've got Pat's coaching rankings coming up. I wanted to ask you guys, who is your favorite fictional coach? This could be from a movie, from a TV show, a Broadway musical, or what have you, but it must be a a fictional uh, universe. What do you got? I have the coach from uh, from Necessary Roughness, oh, the 1990, wow. 1991 film starting Scott Bakula. Sure. I'm saying his last Bacula. name. Bakula. Bakula, sorry. Like Dracula. And Hector Elizondo was played coach Ed Gennaro. Uh, and he always he, he was like the perfect coach who was always on the verge of a heart attack, you know, um, <laughs> like 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 clearly like drank a lot, ate a lot of red meat, you know, lived and breathed football, probably slept, you know, three to five hours a night, if that. Right. And and, you know, was so stressed about about football that uh, he could keel over at any point. And so you got you have to love him. There's so many to choose from. You know, it's hard to go wrong with Al Pacino gifts from any given Sunday. <laughs> right. Probably still right. the most stirring leader of men ever committed to film. Uh, yeah, I feel like too much of a, like, I don't know what the word is for bringing this one up. But I mean, the way that Henry Winkler handled like unorthodox talent and the water boy, yeah. like he's the kind of sure. coach who wouldn't get a shot in this day and age, you know, cause he's probably not an analytics man. He's not a rah, rah man uh, handled, you know, an un- un- unorthodox talent super well. And you got to love the way very two thousands, the way that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Moneyball <laughs> treated art, Howe like, you know, like a tortured Shakespearean, like character actor, Probably right. brought like a, an unnecessary amount of depth and gravitas to that role, um, but that's that you know that's good acting. So uh, yeah. So which is I your think pick? I'll, I'll go with yeah Phil Seymour Hoffman treating Art Howe like he was playing uh, <laughs> Macbeth. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> the mention of necessary roughness. The the one thing I remember that mo- from that movie is like the linebacker who like karate kicks people or something. Right? Isn't that a thing <laughs> yes. in that movie? <laughs> There's yes, a dude on the team uh, who just – it's a team of misfits, right? And yeah, I, we don't know what league they're playing in. I need to rewatch this movie. What a it, what a treat that would be. 
Right, right. Uh, um, and oh, and by the way, Jason, a very young Jason Bateman is in that. Wow. Movie. Wow. Yes. What a flick. Uh, and, no. and, and Kathy Ireland, my my ex-wife, is also in that. <laughs> so We would also be remiss if we didn't mention Gene Hackman playing oh, a course. coach in at least once. I've got I've got a list here, Pat. Go through them. Norman Dale is on my list. So, so my rule was I was not going to Google this topic. I was just going to see what I came up with off the top of my head. The names that came to mind, obviously, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, uh, Coach Kilmer from Varsity Blues, played by John Voight, a classic, Norman Dale, Gene Hackman from Hoosiers, the coach from Dazed and Confused crossed my mind, a pretty <laughs> iconic football coach. Wilford Brimley from The Natural, another beauty. <laughs> I mean, and he was only 32, by the way, when he played that role. Um, the one I almost picked was oh, <laughs> 32. The one I almost took me a second to process that. The one I almost picked was uh, Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Great golf coach. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, we're dating ourselves in that like we can't totally disavow Adam Sandler, like cringe comedy that we were like weaned on <laughs> Dude, in the 90s. Don't, but don't defend Happy Gilmore like you have to defend it. That movie is is an absolute treasure. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, exactly, and, exactly. It's an all-time. It, it's been selected by the Library of Congress for historical <laughs> preservation, Happy Gilmore. My sleeper is Reggie Theus as Bill Fuller from the TV show Hang Time. I don't know if you guys ever were Hang Time guys, but you had <laughs> Dick Butkus was the coach on that show at one point, and then Reggie Theus took over. I don't know if we have any Hang Time historians around, but my, my pick... I could not pick against Lou Brown from Major League, played by the late great James Gammon, just just an iconic manager. Yeah. Does anyone know uh, was Coach from Coach a good coach? Um, like, was that <laughs> part of question. the shtick on the show? Was he actually a good coach? I think at one point he got an NFL job, so he must right. have been kind of good. Um, coach from Cheers, also, if we really want to date ourselves. Yes, I feel like that show. Uh, I feel like the coach, the show Coach, never had anything about his actual coaching. Never. <laughs> I. Know. As a kid, I wanted to know more. Denny was trying to grind film when he watched That's Coach. Right. I wanted and... to see, you know, if he, if he was running the Shanahan system, you know, and and uh, it never they never uh, elaborated. I was I was upset. I've got a text, by the way. We're live. Uh, John Daigle couldn't join us today, but he said the unnamed hockey coach from Letter Kenny. I don't know what that is. That an autocorrect mistake no, I, or I, no? Everybody wants me to watch Letter Kenny. Whatever. I don't even know what that is. And yeah. and uh, no, I'm not. I'm not watching. I'm sorry. Was it made after 1994? Because I'm not watching. Otherwise, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. I, I've seen some clips. It's not funny. Uh, it's Canadian. I, I'm an I'm an American. So no, well, I'm not. I'm not. You're fired for disagreeing with your coworker on live on air. We're supposed to keep that in house. So you're fired. Sorry. I do appreciate Daigle tuning in whilst he's he's very busy grinding away at, <laughs> at something for NBC Sports Edge, but just has it on in the corner just to make sure everything's going all right. I appreciate that. He also says he does not want Denny to watch it. Um, oh, so thank God. Don't watch it, Denny. The rest of the show, can you just read Daigle's text to us and he'll yes. kind of be live between <laughs> the show when he actually could be here? All right, let's let's get into this. Pat, you recently wrote up your NFL coach rankings for 2021 on NBC Sports Edge, a column that absolutely obliterated minds and faces, basically turned the internet into mush. I mean, the, an explosive ranking, one through 25, we'll say, with seven newcomers, I believe. Anyways, that is correct. we're going to give you Pat's rankings. We're going to jump in with some commentary, kind of step-by-step. Uh, step. We're going to go through in groups of five here with a little with a question, a little commentary, a little fantasy football talk throughout. So first, though, I do have to share one observation. As I was going through your column, Pat, I started to notice something. And by my count, 
23 of the 32 coaches in the NFL have a first name with one syllable. And I wrote them down. Yeah. So I'm going to read it to you. Bill, Sean, John, Sean, Sean, Mike, Pete, Bruce, Frank, Matt, Mike, Mike, Ron, Matt, Matt, Mike, Cliff, John, Joe, Vic, Zach, Dan, Nick. Unbelievable. I was tempted to change Arthur to Art, but for the sake of integrity, I did not. But it starts to make you think your brain is broken when you look at these first names. No, it's the leadership. You don't want I mean, having more than one <laughs> syllable. Is like that's selfish. You're wasting the team's time. If I have to say multiple syllables every time I say your name, that's just a waste of the team's time. So you go with one syllable uh, whenever possible. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, but but just a mind blowing observation that I feel like I had to share with you guys. So let's get into the top five here. Pat, you have your top five in this order: Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton. John Harbaugh and Sean McVay. Now, I want to ask you about number three. As you pointed out, Sean Payton has averaged 12 victories over the last four seasons, but only three playoff wins during that time. Drew Brees is now our colleague at NBC. He's watching along with John Daigle, leaving the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston dilemma at quarterback. So can Sean Payton, Pat, your number three coach, salvage this thing this season in New Orleans? I mean, he's the most fascinating guy in the top five this year. I mean, Bill Belichick has a lot of questions too, but you know, he's Bill Belichick, uh, the winner of six Super Bowls. Sean Payton, you know, just like Bill Belichick, though, has never done this without his quarterback. He's never been in this chair without Drew Brees before. So he's just like the people who are like truly well and truly established as elite head coaches. You could throw Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll in there, too. We'll talk about them in a minute, probably. Like Sean Payton has the biggest question mark this season. And, you know, he was like – he was part of the vanguard that like ushered in this passing revolution, even though Sean Payton said his most success when he's had balanced offenses, like he was at the vanguard of like this completions at all costs, like passing approach and had the best trigger man for that. And Drew Brees. And now with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, uh, neither of them are that at all. And he has to decide like what direction he wants to, does he want to try to like, a square peg, a round hole, like Jameis Winston, like try to make him something he might not be. We know he won't even attempt that with Taysom Hill. Is he going to only commit to one or is he going to do this? You know, like he's in like the ACC or something. He said Georgia Tech do like a two quarterback <laughs> approach where he has Jameis Winston handle most of the business between the 20s and expand Taysom Hill's role in the red zone. Because like the one thing we know that even if it's Jameis Winston this year, like we know that Taysom Hill's role is not going to get smaller. Like when you give Taysom right. Hill that role, when they have one of like maybe the five greatest quarterbacks in league history uh, in your offense, we know once that all time great is gone, that Taysom's role is not going to get smaller. Um, so just like that, to me, no one uh, in this elite tier has anything even resembling the kind of question that Sean Payton has this season. It, it is surprising that you know they they seem to have picked Jameis Winston and, and groomed him you know, for when Breeze retired, which, which seemed in, in, inevitable uh, two years ago, really, uh, because he, he, like you said, Pat, does not fit what they usually do. You know, they're really going to have to change uh, things. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote a, a blurb that the other day that many people are very many upset about. People are saying, people are saying. People are saying that people the blurb is wrong. But I, all <laughs> I was doing was quoting a beat writer who said, the Jameis Winston, you know, he did a deep dive on on, on Jameis Winston's uh, uh, struggles, passing struggles, accuracy struggles, and and the slant pattern was the worst of them all. 
That's and so and that <laughs> and that offense runs on runs on that route, you know. I mean, Michael Thomas has has made his entire career at, on on that route. Can't guard slant. You can't. You can't. And, and it was unstoppable. To be fair, it was it was unstoppable. Yeah, that actually, that actually is a very good point. You actually literally could not guard the Michael no, Thomas slant. You <laughs> and and now you have uh, an extremely inaccurate quarterback. Who is supposed to just you know come in and and, and run this? They they're going to have to change it, and I I think that Sean Payton's you know uh, coaching ability will be on display either way this year. I think the thought process of Jameis could maybe be just that if you have this much arm talent, there's got to be like repetitive accuracy in there somewhere, and this yeah. is we're going to find out like is Sean Payton truly this much of a genius, or is he biting off more than he can chew? Basically, it'll be a very very fascinating year for one of the best coaches of the 21st century. Speaking of that blurb that you wrote, Danny, I'm just looking at the headline on NBC Sports Edge. Winston's slant inaccuracy, a problem for Thomas. Slant inaccuracy is just a funny oxymoron to me because <laughs> it's, you know, you're not chucking it deep downfield. I mean, how, yeah. I don't even understand how, how is throwing that an issue? It's just mind blowing. Right. Right. So he, so Winston excelled on, on, you know, deep, deeper throws, posts and whatnot. But on the on the short, quick routes, uh, he was really, really terrible the last time he started. I, I'm not saying that nothing can change, okay? And everybody was com- coming back with, well, he had, you know, LASIK surgery, which I, you know, I guess adjust the ranks for that. But um, you know, and, and I it just, you know, historically he's been really bad with that very key component of the New Orleans offense. This was- if you guys want to see some historic slant inaccuracy, throw on some Drew Locke Mizzou tape, man. Let me oh. tell you. Uh, linebacker interceptions were his specialty on slants. Let me tell you what. Moving on to coaches ranked 6 through 10. Sean McDermott, number 6. Mike Tomlin comes in at 7. Pete Carroll at 8. Super Bowl winner Bruce Arians clocks in at 9. And at 10... The guy we want to talk about a little bit more, expand upon for a second, is Kyle Shanahan. Pat, from the sound of things, when we were talking offline before this, you caught a little flack maybe from Niners fans for having Shanahan, I believe, five rungs below Sean McVay. Do you want to explain that to us? Yeah, I mean, every year there's like a few narratives that will develop in the at mentions and like a (laughs) non-trivial amount of people, at least 12 to 14 49ers fans, like tweeted at me just like, apoplectic that I had Sean McVay ahead of Kyle Shanahan, I guess because Kyle Shanahan has a lot of head to head success against Sean McVay, but Kyle Shanahan is, he's one of the toughest people to rank. Cause I, I, I don't think there's pr- basically probably not an, there's probably not a single informed football observer you could ask about Kyle Shanahan and they would not have a super high opinion of, uh, but he's been a head coach four years, you know, and he's won six or fewer games, three of those four times. So it's just like, how do you weight this? Because he's had a lot of extenuating circumstances. As you know, you know that's just part of the deal in the NFL. He got his quarterback the first season he was there, midway through the season, of course. So that's a very convincing alibi. He's had the injuries with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is a convincing alibi. But you know, it's just, so so I, I'm fully on board with Kyle Shanahan being an elite coach. I mean, I think throwing him in the top 10 when in four seasons he's only won more than six games once is like a big vote of confidence in the guy. But it was not taken that way by a lot of people. And like this, the feel remains there with Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. We feel like we're watching an elite coach, but it's just like, yeah, how much, like, we're really waiting 25% of that record versus like throwing out 75% of it. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I came down on the Kyle Shanahan as elite head coach side. 
but it is just a very fascinating debate. And to me, n- not even close to a debate like that Sean McVay deserves more credit than what Sean McVay did with a laughing stock franchise with a quarterback who no one wanted, who Sean McVay eventually did not want. Uh, you know, I had 49ers fans tweeting at me, well, the Rams offense got exposed, you know, over the past two years. And that was kind of true. Uh, so when the when he ran out of magic with Jared Goff, he just made an elite defense then. I think they allowed the fewest yards in the NFL last year, rode their defense to the divisional round. And, like, you, every roster, every elite coach, you're going to have holes. You're going to have things that aren't going great, that you aren't coaching up as well as you would like. But, like, how do you scheme around them? And, like, Sean McVay has, like, found answers every single year. And you can make an argument that Sean McVay is – probably the second best, second or third, not second, third best coach in the NFL and not just fifth behind Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. All right, we're moving him up. I'm adjusting the rankings here. <laughs> Sean yeah. McVay, I mean, uh, McVay goes to number two. Is that what we're doing, Pat? No, no, number th- number three. Okay. <laughs> the head-to-head argument is dumb. It's, you know, who, it's not It's not a good argument. <laughs> no. Who cares? Um, I mean, and, and, and what the Rams did last year, although they were miserable to watch, I will I will say that, what they did last year with Jared Goff was was very impressive. You know, I mean, they they got to the second round of the playoffs with Jared Goff, who had been completely, like you said, exposed. Like everyone knew what the Rams' offense was going to do at all times. There was no hiding it, and that you know, Sean McVay had you know helped create a defense that kept them in games, that kept the game ugly, uh, winnable. And now, you know, hopefully they can move on with Matthew Stafford to a, a more precise, a more potent offense. Uh, and there's, I think there's no reason to think that won't happen. You know, as for the, the, the Niners, it all goes back to, you know, putting all their eggs into the Jimmy G basket. Like, that was clearly a huge blunder. Um, and it has, it has not paid off in any way. Uh, if only they had had a quarterback who brought them to the Super Bowl um, on the roster, a, a dual threat quarterback. If only they they would have kept that guy. But we, you know, you you have to move on from that guy. So you you go in on Jimmy G, and and this and this is what has happened. You know, they, every team deals with injuries too. Like you said, are the Niners the only team in the league that 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 consistently deals with injuries? No. Yes. No. But yes. it's always used as an as as an excuse for you know why the Niners are terrible under Shanahan. Yeah, and again, I buy the excuse. I do think Kyle Shannon's a genuinely elite coach. It's just like, to me, I feel like I'm the one being generous, like showing like a lot of faith in a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's only one good season. It was obviously an amazing season. They were one completion away from winning the Super Bowl, essentially. But to me, to, to me it's, it's the perfect, it's the right hedge for Kyle Shanahan. We think he's great. He's definitely shown flashes of that greatness. But yeah, I mean, 75% of it still has not been great. We think it's going to be a lot better going forward. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, you can't just completely throw out the record, basically. So I can't, like, just say Kyle Shanahan's, like, a top five coach because there's just, and there's a no. lot of good coaches. He's not in that tier yet. I love your tone there a second ago, Pat, where you're like, look, I'm the one who put <laughs> Shanahan in the top 10 for you. I did something nice, and this is the thanks I get. <laughs> Do Zoomers remember the movie Office Space? I feel like I'm the guy, that, you know, the guy who loses his job. And there's, I'm a people person. Tom Smikowski. Yeah, I'm yeah. a people person. <laughs> I, I interact yeah. with the customers. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you quickly, you know, you talked about Shanahan having an alibi, you know, in recent years. And as you pointed out in your rankings, Pat, he's going to have one this year, too, with, you know, a rookie quarterback yeah. taking over at some point. 
when do you think, Danny, like what, what's your what's your over under week when we're going to see Trey Lance mm-hmm. starting? I, I kind of think, you know, and I, and I had to explain this for the draft guide, actually, for the NBC Sports Heads draft guide, that the Niners are going to be a little bit stubborn on this front and that Lance is going to play, obviously, that there's just no way that that Garoppolo is going to start 17 games for them. Uh, unless, I, I guess It'll unless... It would be amazing. Unless, this is the year Jimmy Garoppolo he yeah, starts more I, games than he did the first three years combined. You know, I remember that there was that that same sentiment, maybe not as strong, but a similar sentiment about Mahomes with Alex Smith, but the chiefs kept winning and there was really no reason to, uh, to, to make that transition. Anyway, uh, I, I'm on the the side that says that Lance is not going to play nearly as much as we might, as fantasy players might hope. We saw that in your outliers, uh, your rankings. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. It was, you had I Trey was Lance way... unranked, I believe. No, I actually, <laughs> I mean, I agree with that, by the way, we're, I know we're talking coaches, but I mean, the guys played one game in the past two years, and it was against Central Arkansas, and it was an exhibition. Uh, and he's never played a Division One. He's never even played a Division One college football team. He might need a year to learn an NFL system. It cannot be said enough, and you, you've you've said it many times, but that cannot be said enough. Like this no. is a huge, huge factor. It makes you wonder, makes you really wonder, why they didn't take the the one of the most pro ready. Uh, quarterbacks in recent history and justin fields it makes you think it does make you think i think you guys are both underrating just a bit the central arkansas defensive front that is a fierce <laughs> defense with some teeth and let's not overlook right, that actually it is true denny and i were we were grinding that film before the pod to be fair we were trying to develop an opinion we just hadn't finished it yet 11 through 15 in Pat's rankings. We've got Frank Reich at 11, Matt LaFleur 12, Mike Zimmer 13, Mike Vrabel 14, and Brian Flores 15. Denny, and either or here, who would you rather have from this group, Matt LaFleur or Mike Vrabel? LaFleur. Vrabel has had impressive moments, I think. Uh, the one that comes to mind, of course, is the time when he intentionally sent a uh, – a player onto the field to, to draw a penalty to stop the clock. I, I was thoroughly <laughs> impressed by that move. That, he made that's, Bill Belichick the Joker with that move. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That kind of told me that, that he understands like the game theory, like the game aspect of, of what's happening, not just like not just like the culture of football, which he you know he seems like that that kind of guy, that kind of tough guy. But he he's also had really poor in game management. You know, Mike Tomlin has two, so I mean, it it it, it happens to the best of them. Uh, but overall, I think I think Lafleur's record and the way that he's taken over that team and that offense in Green Bay, I, I can't, I could not turn that down. Yeah, this is like the tier of like these guys are all pretty great, but like there's just been like something missing or like a final question hasn't been answered yet. Like Frank Reich, like every year, kind of makes lemonade out of lemons. He's gonna be on his fourth different quarterback in four years, and like they were all stylistically different Matt LaFleur is like a class I mean the guy is 26 and 6 he's made the NFC championship game both of his seasons as head coach but it's just kind of like so there's no such thing as like a just push play situation in the NFL you know Mike McCarthy proved that with the Packers it's like how do you separate Matt LaFleur's early career accomplishments from Aaron Rodgers I don't think you can fully separate because like what we saw last year was the perfect like the hybrid the realization of like the LaFleur's offensive vision, like actually truly bringing the running game back, restoring some balance, taking some pressure off Aaron Rodgers uh, to the degree that he won an MVP. 
you know, then of course he had some very bad game management moments in the NFC championship game, but that happens to every single coach. Bill Belichick, uh, even remember has one of the worst game management moments in NFL history in that Seahawks Super Bowl where he didn't call timeout, but it happened mm. to work out because they got the interception. And then who, who is the third? Mike Zimmer is like another guy. I never know where to put him. Cause I think he's probably one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. He usually has a good offensive coordinator, but things just kind of seem to go haywire for the Vikings every other season. I don't really understand why. Rabel is the one. Rabel I almost want to have in the top 10. Just such a strange guy where he's a defensive mind. But through three years, uh, he's had two offensive coordinators get head coaching jobs uh, you know, off of Ryan Tannehill. Like it's just it's kind of crazy stuff. And But he's a defensive mind whose defense went totally off the rails last year. Yeah. It was largely the personnel's fault, but – he needed more answers than he had, but like Denny said, there are these 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 glimpses of greatness with Mike Rabel, and like the, the way he's built, schemed around the per- not him scheming, but hiring the right people to scheme around, like the kind of questionable offensive talent that, well, especially at quarterback, not at running back or at number one receiver, but to seeming like someone who knows what vision needs to be implemented on offense, and like if he can kind of get the defense sorted out, could be a, a genuinely great top ten coach. My only complaint about Mike Zimmer, why well, I have many complaints, but one of them is how he did Daniel Carlson dirty, and I'll never, for, I'll never <laughs> forgive him for that. And I and I hope Daniel Carlson becomes a Hall of Famer just despite Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer maybe the the most unfortunate football guy moment of the 21st century, where he basically let himself go blind in one eye instead of like taking off a few weeks from coaching. And he kept coaching when he had a detached retina and he's had like eight surgeries. It's like Denny's coach from Necessary Roughness, like same yeah. same no, mold. He same. is. I'm worried about I'm when I see him on the sidelines, he doesn't look well. He never the Mike Zimmer always looks like he's on the verge of a medical emergency. He always I, looks I like he has a kidney stone. And <laughs> Vic Fangio coached through stones of some sort, by the way. So that is something NFL coaches do. These are not normal people. Wait. Not kidding. There's another kind of stones. This is a revelation. Gallstones right? is the other oh, stone. That's but, right. Um, yeah. Do we know which is Can't worse? I mean, I know kidney stones are absolutely brutal. Do we know? Do we know the comparison there? We have to look I, into it. Get, kidney right. stones gets the hype. Uh, Daigle, let us know if you're still listening. <laughs> um, Daigle, if you're listening. <laughs> all right, sixteen through twenty. Number sixteen, Kevin Stefanski. Number seventeen, Ron Rivera. Number eighteen, Matt Nagy. Coming in at 19 is Matt Rule, and at 20, the aforementioned Mike McCarthy. So let's start with this one, because a guy who kind of probably needs to save his job this year uh, and now has Justin Fields to presumably do that for him, is Matt Nagy, Pat, a good coach? I was hoping you guys knew, because he's one of the people where I rank this every year. I'm like, well, the dude is, I think he said a winning record. Well, he, he didn't have a winning record in 2019, I guess, but... He's eight games over 500 through three years as the Bears coach. He literally doubled the amount of wins they had from the previous three years under John Fox. Mm-hmm. He's made the playoffs two times in three years. Uh, he has alibis to like, could any coach really figure out Mitchell Trubisky? But it's just when you struggle on your side of the ball, even if it's Mitchell Trubisky, he, you know, he's brought in, you know, Bill as like an offensive genius, you know, one of the, the heir apparents to Andy Reid. And for just now, the whole time he's been there has had continual issues on his side of the ball. They can't get a consistent running game. Definitely cannot get a consistent passing game. You know, the personnel is like kind of always upset. Like Allen Robinson's is kind of like perpetually upset. Mm -mm. That might be more because of the front office than the coaching staff. Where It's just kind of hard to figure out Matt Nagy. And 
it, you can you can look at it. He's like the classic. You can look at it one or two ways. Like it's quite an accomplishment that he's made the playoffs twice with this group, or like it's just kind of like a house of cards waiting to crumble when an offensive mind can't get in a good offense because. They had one top 10 like yardage or scoring uh, team, and it was solely because of that that historic 2018 Bears defense. They've been in the bottom 10, bottom 12 each of the past year. You're barely watchable often on offense. And even if you have a questionable quarterback play, I mean, if you're like an offensive mind, you've, you've got to work your way around that. So Matt Nagy is this one who's – it's very hard to know what to make of Matt yeah. Nagy. Uh, I'd like to thank Pat for taking all of the stats that I had lined up for where they finished in, <laughs> in point scoring and yardage. Actually, do <laughs> it because you, you actually have the real stats lined uh, uh, yeah, up. Well, yeah, they they were they were the ninth highest scoring team in 2018, which is uh, feels like forever ago, but wow. it did happen. And then they were in the near the bottom of the league the the, the past uh, two years. I I really think it just comes down to quarterback play. You know, I. There's just not much you can do. You could do with with Mitchell Trubisky, even though Trubisky was like you know somewhat serviceable for fantasies for for the past three seasons, depending on matchup and whatnot, because of his rushing ability. That shouldn't obscure the fact that he was just heinous, uh, especially mm-hmm. last year before he got benched for for Nick Foles. You oh, know, Nick well, Foles, they, and who was this who was is where the excuses terrible. stop. You have Super Bowl winner Nick Foles, <laughs> right, uh, Matt right. Nagy, and I, I don't want to hear sure. the excuses. Okay. Yeah. No. And and I, you have to believe that because things have gone so poorly offensively over the past two seasons, that there will be no hesitation. I, not, you know, I talked about Lance and Garoppolo. There will be no hesitation to go to Fields in in Chicago because of the need to show that his side of the ball can get it done. You know, it's embarrassing. It must be embarrassing for for someone like that. It could go the other way. We're like the need to show any results whatsoever. He could be the kind of guy who's scared to go with the rookie. Because I, yeah. I I felt him. I, I found him like a little too convincing with his Andy Dalton comments oh, no. this spring. <laughs> like just no. a little too convincing. Like it's gonna be if Justin Fields isn't starting week one, it's gonna be like week four or five. But I, I could see Matt Nagy being the kind of guy who's like petrified. To play the rookie court, mm. you're you're you are probably right though. But I mean, he's he's going to be, you know, uh, on the hot seat at least if, if they if they get off to a poor start. He has to know that. I I I, I tend to think that he's going to be quick to turn to fields. But you could be right. I will I will vomit if Andy Dalton starts more than two <laughs> games, any games. Uh, come on, you can't do that, right? It's got to be Fields from the start. If you're trying to save your job, if you're trying to save your job, which guy would you go with? Justin Fields. Okay, thanks. Um, (laughs) That's that's what I'm saying. Like you can't. can't, Honestly, they think about this both ways, though. They think about like trying to save a job. Like I gotta go with the veteran, and like I can't deal with like these five or six weeks of rookie struggles. You know that like ends the season right there. Like you kind of like go with the veteran, like pray for an Alex Smith season. I, I, I'm not saying I agree with that. I just think that's like inside the mind of an NFL coach. Oh man, you you just you can't go out with Andy Dalton taking you. That out. is a really you, that is a good. You can't you can't yeah. go out with Andy Dalton. <laughs> I, no. I will say quickly, just closing out this thing. The question we started with is Matt Nagy a good coach? If you asked me that point blank, I would probably say no. But then you look career record 28 and 20 right I'm, I'm checking to see if that's a typo like that you know you you don't think of matt Nagy as having had that kind of success because i don't know the bears have felt so underwhelming but there it is 
The Bears could have. There's an alternate history where in the wild card round last year, Javon Wims catches that 70 yes. yard touchdown in the Superdome, and like that whole game changes, and the Bears win that game. Oh, that uh, that's in like alternate universe, like number four thousand and eighty-two, but it, it is out there. <laughs> there's only there's only that many. Wow. No, no, is it alternate universe? Isn't it? There's an infinite amount of alternate universes, correct? Infinite, infinite. yeah. Yes, there's there's not a number. Man, haven't you ever been on Wikipedia before? I see, guys. I get it. Okay, I'm smart. I understand. I understand how this stuff works. Just watch X Men. You'll get it. Just go on Wikipedia. All right, all right. You take over. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort this out. (laughs) You gotta Uh, get down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got a charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. We've got, coming up, 21 through 25. And at 21, you have Cliff Kingsbury, 22, John Gruden, 23, Joe Judge, 24, Vic Fangio, 25, Zach Taylor. Just want to point out, this is five coaches all with one syllable in their first name. Cliff, John, Joe, Vic, Zach. Pat, you wrote that Kingsbury is most famous for kicking when he should go for it and going for it when he should kick. <laughs> Can we trust him? And I guess I would I would slant this one a bit towards fantasy. Sorry, I didn't mean to to say that in Michael Thomas's direction. But can we trust him and this offense in 2021? Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, by the way, with the, the, the syllables thing, John Gruden is so serious. He removes the H from his first name. Yeah, that's right. Gets that just no, no, no fluff. No, no fluff. fluff Get the H out. So I will say the Cardinals will at least have the personnel in theory to do more of what Cliff Kingsbury is hired to do. Cause you know, it's like the four to five receiver sets thing, hopefully to have some like inside out, like versatile options and even with DeAndre Hopkins last year, they had a very, very thin receiver depth chart. And now they've added Rondell Moore. They've added A.J. Green, which uh, obviously may, might not really solve the problem. But maybe now he'll finally have, like, the talent and versatility to – the most infamous stat or like, fact about Cliff Kingsbury last year was keeping DeAndre Hopkins glued to one side mm-hmm. of the formation and making him easy to scheme for and stop because he was never moved around the formation. And maybe that was just because – Cliff did not trust anyone else to play the positions correctly. He didn't trust his depth. He didn't trust his talent. Just didn't think he had the versatility. They aggressively addressed receiver again. Maybe he finally thinks he's going to have the personnel to get more creative, to move guys around more. But uh, it's just for a guy who's like, it's just synonymous with offense. uh, He doesn't seem to have a vertical passing plan ever. And he has a very, he has an elite vertical passing talent in Kyler Murray. And, 
they, do, they, they don't scheme the vertical game like whatsoever. Like, he relies, as I say in the article, on basically like break the internet plays from Kyler and DeAndre. Like just go out there and make something happen. Like all the scheme stuff is like just completely horizontal. And if that doesn't change this season, it's I, it's going to get harder and harder to forgive like these tactical blunders that we see every week from Cliff Kingsbury. And he is someone, even though he's only been on the job two seasons, and even though the offense has gotten better, he's someone whose seat could heat up very, very quickly in 2021. I have some stats on Cliff Kingsbury. There we go. I've brought, I've brought the numbers. <laughs> Bring the numbers. There's no no running from this, Cliff. So <laughs> the, the, <laughs> so with Kyler Murray, who is an excellent passer of the football. Okay, he's not just like you know a rushing quarterback. The Cardinals finished 17th in passing yards last year, 25th in 2019. Murray uh, Murray was 21st in adjusted yards per attempt in 2020. Uh, that was just above Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, in, in t- it got it was worse, by the way, in 2019. 2019, Kyler was 24th in adjusted yards per attempt, tied with Joseph C. Flacco the fourth. Okay, like <laughs> wow, impossible. It just seems like Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals should be getting a lot more out of Kyler Murray, out of DeAndre Hopkins, and out of I think an, a very underutilized Christian Kirk who will never, never be unleashed there. Apparently uh, it's, it's a, it's a passing attack that has underwhelmed to say the least over the past two years. Future Eagles starter, Joseph C. Flacco, the fourth, by the way, according <laughs> oh, no. to you, Danny, stop. you're canceled. Um, just putting it out there. You guys are both canceled. I have a, a question for Denny where I, I, I kind of knew this would happen. This fan base is kind of like, they're like giants fans are like completely up in arms that I had Joe judge ranked as the 23rd coach. And so I have like a number of thoughts on this first off, like the rankings framing, like you have to have that kind of, but like, I wish to, you know, to move units, you got to have the rankings framework, but like, I wish I could do this without the ranks because it's obviously much more about the write-up and just like trying to take stock of like where this coach and team is. So, you know, Joe judge, a guy had low expectations for, one season he goes six and ten. Like, of course, he's not going to be that high. But like I had what I thought was honestly a pretty positive write-up on Joe Judge, where like he kind of surprised right. me in some ways. Like, you know, scoring skyrocketed across the league last year, but the Giants allowed 94 fewer points than they did the previous season. Like he did his hard-nosed football thing, like and kind of like instilled like that mindset, but like kept his players respect. He didn't he wasn't like one of those like overly hard ass coaches that like Matt Patricia, who the players like started hating immediately. It seemed like his players actually liked him. It's like Joe judge kind of surprised me, but there's, you know, there's just only so high you can put someone after a six and 10 season. And yeah. Denny, I just want to, how do you feel about Joe judge? Like did Joe judge surprise you at all last year? Or is this just like Joe judge is just Joe judging really hardcore to you. I, I thought you were plenty generous with both ranking him at 23 and with what you wrote in, in the piece, he's a first year coach who had a, a, an abysmal first season in the league. And, and like you mentioned, like his, his career starts off with, with doing bits about no names on jerseys and, (laughs) and uh, 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 making players run sprints and and, and after practice and whatnot, like it's high school. Like he's like, you know, like he's coach Taylor from Friday night. Like, so, (laughs) uh, you know, shout out. What, what else what else can you say what else can you can you say he he seems like the kind of coach who is going to continue to have a pretty solid defense that will probably that that could probably be 
a great defense if the offense wasn't as bad. You know, those two things are very interconnected. You know, turnovers, uh, um, uh, ability to to keep the ball, to you know maintain possessions, to s- score some points, which is always you know a good thing to to do. Uh, uh, th- those things help the defense, uh, but I just don't think that with Jason Garrett calling plays and with Daniel Jones under center for, for the giants, you know, things are, think, how can things change drastically? In fact, in fact, if Joe judge was serious about improving the offense, oh, no. uh, bringing it up to, you know, bringing it up to speed, he would have a bailed on Daniel Jones and B uh, fired Jason Garrett. He would have at least fired Jason Garrett. The Daniel Jones thing probably isn't his choice. And my overarching point with Joe Judge was I was very skeptical of that kind of hard-nosed old school approach in this era of football where you know where, where it rarely works. But that I thought he kind of he thread the needle better than I was expecting as a rookie head coach. And that there could maybe actually be something here. But yeah, again, it's like where am I supposed to rank a guy who wins six games as a first-year head coach? My overarching point on Joe Judge Pat is no one reads the write-up. No, they don't. Uh, Actually, a lot of people do because they were obsessed. They were obsessed. (laughs) This got thrown back at me. This this sentence, I said, Judge can sometimes feel like a quote-unquote football guy parody. So I didn't call him a football guy parody. uh, But I said, obviously, he has moments like that. I mean, I don't think anyone would actually even debate that. And it's like Giants Twitter is up in arms like uh like very upset about the word parody and uh i do not yeah i'm sorry to interrupt but the the giants twitter is still upset about not going to the playoffs and having their butts handed to them in the first round like that like that that, they desperately wanted to get to the playoffs so that they could lose by 36 points in in, in the opening round that would have made their year well, we've gone far afield from our Cliff Kingsbury conversation, but I think it yielded some yeah, some good things he there. He sucks. No, uh, <laughs> okay, now closing this out, let's get to the new hires. Those names in alphabetical order. Now, Pat, these are not ranked because we don't know yet. No. These are not ranked in your column, but in alphabetical order. Dan Campbell, David Culley, Urban Meyer, Robert Sala, Nick Sirianni, Art Smith, and Brandon Staley. Now, we want to take a second to talk about Urban Meyer, who has already done some head-scratching things, maybe most notably the Tim Tebow, Taysom Tebow experiment. Do you think Danny, as we look to fantasy again, are we going to be able to count on this offense, Urban Meyer's offense, for fantasy purposes throughout the season? Or does it feel like this is only going to really pop in really favorable matchups? I I mean, my only... Uh, my only thought about how it could consistently deliver for fantasy managers is if they're chasing points and if they remain aggressive in, ch- in chasing those points, you know, pass heavy, uh, that, that sort of approach, you know, the, the, the Jags defense is still going to be poor. Like it's, it's definitely not, has not improved uh, very much over, over last year. And they were, they were pretty bad last year. Well, Danny, so, I hate to cut you off. They're trying to fix that. You probably haven't seen this yet. Uh, Travis Etienne is now taking reps at cornerback. Before you embarrass yourself. Um, he was playing a little linebacker in, in OTAs as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how he's deployed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if the team stays aggressive, there are some players, including Etienne who could be fun for, for fantasy purposes, you know, just kind of piling up stats uh, uh, as, as Pat says, uh, there, you we could see some compilers in that offense, mm-hmm. including, Etienne. So that's that's sort of my take on, on Urban Meyer. Although he could blow this all up by by giving Tebow eight eight to ten touches a game. So I don't know. 
I got so, uh, the, the new group of hires is one of the most impressive I've ever seen. And I say in the write-up, teams are getting te- – there's still bad coaches in the NFL, but teams are getting a lot better at this process. Where there, there's Every year there's going to be a bad hire or two. They were probably a bad hire or two this year. But teams are – they're trying – we make fun of teams for trying to find the next Sean McVay, but it's better to try to find the next Sean McVay than recycling John Fox and – Teams are, have gotten much better at that. And even weird hires like Dan Cam- – even Dan Campbell, I will not like condemn the hire because I say in my right, I'm taking it. There's just something – So he's he, it's almost like he's trying to put a new age spin on like the really old-timey like football cliches of like toughness and determination. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't be the first coach to have success with like relentless positivity. But to me, the most fascinating in the group is Urban Meyer and – like I don't need to see Urban Meyer win at the NFL level to call him one of the greatest football coaches in American history. Like he could totally flop with the Jaguars, and like Urban Meyer is he's he is just he's one of the greatest football coaches in American history. I don't know how else to put it. Like, but just one nonstop everywhere he went and caught like a, a extremely creative, inventive, offensive mind. So he's he's one of the greatest coaches ever. But the problem is like he seems to know that. And like he could have gone about this the easy way or the hard way. And he's definitely opting for the latter with the Tebow thing, you know, the hubris of trying to hire the disgraced former Iowa strength coach. Mm-hmm. And just like seemingly he, he's listening to himself clearly a lot in this process. And just how, like, can he find the proper patience? Can he find the proper humility? Cause you know, a guy who was burned out at two stops in a row in college where even though he did nothing but win, he won 90% of his games at Ohio State and mm. still burned out. Like, can he have the humility to know what he doesn't know at the NFL level? And can he have the patience to accept losing? Because he's going to lose a lot of games to begin his Jaguars career. And, like, if he can find that, I mean, there's just zero question that he's, like, a good enough leader, that he's a good enough offensive mind, that he will have success if he can just make minor adjustments right. uh, to his approach. I, I have to – I have to – uh, read something from your column, a, a line that I liked a lot. You said, uh, he, he has opted for the latter and finding the spot where the galaxy ends and the brain begins will be the story of his pro career. And that's right. I mean, it doesn't like urban, if you're listening and I know you are, yes, it doesn't have to be as difficult as you're seemingly making it. Like you had James Robinson on the roster. You have, La- <laughs> you have LaVisca Chanel. They, you should have introduced yourself to these guys before you went into the draft. You didn't have to bring in the racist coach. You didn't have to bring in Tebow. It's unforced errors. You know, don't you don't have to be galaxy brained right now. No. It, it, you have Trevor Lawrence for goodness sakes. Like it's a good. That's a great start. That was definitely one of the lines that like. Uh... You know, it's 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 not it's a poor form to laugh at yourself, but I, I laughed at that line when I wrote it about where the galaxy ends and the brain begins. I laugh at all my lines. <laughs> just just coming back to a guy that you brought up a minute ago, ETN, and he's kind of come up throughout this conversation. I feel a little bit like there's so much real life backlash against that pick. Like, why did they take a first round running back when they had James Robinson? You know, what were they thinking? That it almost feels like maybe that real life backlash will lead to ETN being a little undervalued in fantasy potentially because you know mm-hmm. Urban Meyer is going to find ways to use him and I, where do you guys yeah. land on that do you think that I'm overthinking it and and other people are thinking the same way and ETN is going to kind of be where you take him is going to be reasonable or do you think there's a chance he's kind of almost going to be undervalued in fantasy because of Robinson's presence and because of that mindset that people might have 
I think it, it sort of depends on the, the the savviness of your of your league mates and and how much they pay attention, how much they read NBC Sports Edge, for instance. But <laughs> uh, I do think that more like in more casual leagues this summer, Etienne will be going at kind of an absurdly low ADP uh, for a guy who is going to you know going to be the staple, going to be a staple uh, in in a Jags offense that's that's has this suddenly has a, a very good quarterback a, a very good coach i know i just said a lot of bad things about urban meyer but offensively <laughs> he he has produced a, a lot of great teams and the role that etienne will supposedly have this this slash role that urban meyer talks about a lot has uh has been great statistically you know just forget about you know res- results uh, outside of of numbers but if he if he absorbs that entire role it, it could be great and you're right he could be very undervalued He's definitely got some narrative street issues going with his ADP. But I mean, if there's one thing I do trust Urban Meyer to do immediately, I mean, he has always known what to do with offensive talent. And like lots, lots of unique talents came through Florida and Ohio State, and he used them in unique and creative and productive ways. So we're, we're focusing a lot on like the comments that, you know, they frankly do not make sense. I mean, Travis Etienne is an elite running back prospect, he's a good pass catcher but he should not be playing uh, any wide receiver. He's a running back. He's a very, very good running back whose advantage at receiving comes from like doing it out of the backfield as like pass catching running back. But Urban Meyer, like that is one part you like, you really cannot question Urban Meyer's credentials in that regard. Like it might be frustrating and annoying, uh, but if that's not working, he'll find a way to make it work with Travis Etienne uh, very quickly. All right. Well, you can check out Pat's full NFL coach rankings article on NBC Sports Edge. Anything else to mention, guys, before we get out of here? Yes, I uh, published a piece today on the site on uh, how avoiding the RB dead zone, which we talked about what last week feels like six weeks ago, but I think it was last week. Uh, how avoiding the RB dead zone in in uh, seasonal leagues has changed and is changing the way that I put together my teams. Um, I felt compelled uh, to write about it because it really is like, uh, you know, th- these teams that I'm I'm drafting while trying to avoid running backs in rounds three through six are looking markedly different than they have in, in, in previous seasons. So check it out. I was, Denny is to the RB dead zone what the Coast Guard is to the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> like Denny yes. is trying to direct people through this. Here's how you navigate through this without your ship sinking, Correct. without your airplane going down and I have nothing to promote other than the coach rankings. Please check them out. It is very long, but like, again, the write-ups are the point, not the rankings. The rankings are a necessary evil of a framework, but please actually check out the write-ups. And the, the final parting thought, I got a final text from John Nagel. Oh, good. That just said, that just said kidney stones will end you. Um, so uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so happy we got that in. Thank you, Daigle. Love you, buddy. Hey, Daigle, miss you, pal. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Love you. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and for watching live on YouTube. Pat, Denny, thanks to both of you. Thanks to everyone for listening. Once again, we'll see you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.